us, sweet land of liberty. Our founding fathers not only pledged, but gave their lives, their fortunes, and their sacred honor to obtain our God-given liberty. Now it's our turn. Liberty can only thrive if it's alive in the hearts of a freedom-loving people. I'm Dan Matthews, and I'm pleased to welcome you to Freedom's Ring. Here's our host and constitutional lawyer and minister, Alan Reinach. Welcome back to Freedom's Ring, my friends. Well, our topic today is the rule of law. Are there challenges? Are there threats to the rule of law today? There certainly are so many issues circling in our country that are of concern. My guest today is an old friend and attorney, James Standish, in the Beltway area in Washington, D.C. James, welcome back to Freedom's Ring. It's great to be back, Alan. And it's great to have you back. Um, where do we start? I know you wanted to take us all the way back to Magna Carta <laughs> as the foundation. So let's go there. Let's go there. Let, look, Alan, the deal is this. We hear the term rule of law all the time. You hear it on the radio. You hear it in discussions. But how often do we think, what exactly is the rule of law and what's the alternative? Every country has laws, right? I was in China last year. They have laws. They have a lot of laws. They have a lot of laws. <laughs> Trust me. Or if you go to uh, Iran, which I've been to, or you go to Nigeria, wherever you're going around the world, there's laws. So what's the difference between a country that has the rule of law and countries that don't? Well, how do we make that distinction? Well, that all goes back to a beautiful field not too far from Windsor Castle at a place called Runnymede. Now, I've been thinking a lot about Runnymede lately because I'm working on a project in the UK. It happens to involve an architect. The architect that I'm working with designed a monument for the 800th anniversary of what happened at Runnymede. 800 years. Yeah, that's right. It's been 800 years since the Magna Carta was signed on this beautiful field out there in Runnymede. And the Magna Carta is what many people look at as the as a sort of the seed, the beginning, the, the, the foundation of the rule of law. And what's interesting about the Magna Carta, we'll unpack it just a little bit, its full name is Magna Carta Libertatum. Magna Carta Libertatum. We often leave off the Libertatum. Libertatum means liberty. So Magna, it's a big, big charter of liberty. And the idea in the Magna Carta that made it so revolutionary was, was this. It's not the trial by jury and, and all the other things that are in there. Those are incredibly important. There was a more important idea than that, and it was this. The king now has to obey the law. Nobody is above the law. The king, even the top most person in the country, well, <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're subject to the same laws as everyone else. At least they should be in a country you know, run with the rule of law. James, yeah. when I'm listening to you, I'm remembering a very important moment from my childhood when after he had resigned, Richard Nixon is being interviewed on television by David Frost. And he says something like, well, if the president does it, it's legal. Right. And <laughs> it, it, it's a great moment. And it's actually a conflict in the idea of what is and what is not. Now, he may have meant something that was slightly different than the way it sounds, but the point is that that idea that the king, the president, prime minister, whatever system you've got in your country, um, that that person 
doesn't have to obey the law, has no accountability to the law. Well, that's the norm around the world, and it's the norm throughout history, right? Right. That, that we would call I don't, I don't, authoritarianism, or we call it um, exceptionalism for the leader, whatever you want to call it, oligarchy, uh, different systems, different setups have different names. But the basic idea is that's the norm. What the United States has and what the UK began us on the journey with before, uh, you know, 800 years ago is this idea, no, even the king, even the president, even the Congress, even the jurists, everybody, not only is subject to law. Right. And the reason why this is important is because we know how this story ends. There can be the classic thing that happens is in whether it's in Argentina or Chile or Spain or in uh, Uganda or in uh, Cambodia, a strong man comes to power and he says, I am your leader and I will protect you. Your liberties, your rights, your best interests are all wrapped up in me. I love you. I respect you. No leader gets up there and says they hate their people, right? Not even the worst tyrant <laughs> in history goes up and says, I, I want to just, not, at least not to people's faces. They're always saying they're protecting the people's rights, their best interests, and so forth. Well, where the story generally ends is with rivers of blood, human blood. It ends with rivers of blood, whether it's 30 million people who died in China or the millions who died under fascism in, in Europe or the massacres that have happened in autocratic regimes in, in South America or, or Africa. Uh, if, no matter where you go, the story's the same. And this is, this is the key. It's, we reject that model because, A, it's based on a lie. And that lie has been shown historically over and over again. But secondly, there's a better model. And we know it's a better model because it has worked not just in the UK and the United States, it's in Canada, it's in Australia, it's in now Western Europe, and in many countries around the world. But they said, no, our rights aren't given to us by a magnanimous leader. They're given by the law, and the law is something that we come together and we, we develop together, and we are then subject to it. It's not a perfect system. As, uh, as Churchill said, democracy is the worst system uh, in the world except for all the others. Right. Uh, that's a not a direct quote, but it's a it's a the basic idea. So how are we seeing this this idea challenge right now? Because that's important, right? Well, and and let's to be fair, there's plenty of hand wringing in America about violations of the rule of law, but I don't hear anybody expressing concern that the rivers of blood are imminent in our country. So the you know no <laughs> to be to be fair, uh, no. the challenges are somewhat less severe so far. So I, I agree with you entirely. Not, you know, there's, there's, there's uh, gradients are important, right, in discussion. Sure. Nonetheless, I think that we're in a situation where we are on a trajectory. And that trajectory began with the idea of the, quote, imperial presidency. If you look at the Constitution, you read what was discussed in the, in the founding of the country, you'll see a, a tremendous respect for limiting the power of the chief executive, right. to ensure we don't have a king. But in recent presidencies, the idea of this imperial presidency, a president who has immense powers, who can bypass the legislature by issuing their own edicts, essentially. We call them uh, executive orders, but it's, but it's the same idea now. Executive orders. And I think that those of us who care about freedom, who care about liberty, who care about the rule of law, should look at that trend. And it has 
it, whether you're a Republican or Democrat, it's irrespective. This has been across presidencies in recent years. Absolutely. And there's no question that whoever is president is going to use whatever expansive power that they have. You know, I would point out, though, going back to the constitutional formation, um, the very reason why there was no Bill of Rights in the original Constitution was because there was universal understanding that only limited delegated powers had been given to the various branches of government. And among them, clearly, they did not believe were the powers to violate our fundamental rights. So the whole paradigm of limited government has now been completely flipped 180 degrees to a paradigm of, I'm the executive, I have virtually unlimited authority, and daring Congress to rein me in, or daring the courts to rein me in. Yeah, I, th I think what we've also seen, and I think that that's a good point, and one of the things that, that's important to understand about the original American founding is that the federal government had uh, tremendous limitations, the states not so much. And that, that's very important to understand. Right. And the idea was uh, times 13 states, 13 colonies, 13 states, and then it uh, goes from there. The idea being that people closer to the, the democratic institutions, you know, make the laws uh, according to the, the people in the region. That, that was the original idea. And of course, that had some limitations and we'll, we'll leave them aside for today. But I think very importantly, for those of us who care about freedom, who care about liberty, when we see more and more power concentrated in a chief executive, that is a danger sign. The more power in one man, the less power in all the rest of us. And when there is less power, when there is less accountability, when there is more concentration, you can be sure, and this is what the, 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 the framers of the Constitution understood, is that power does corrupt. We are not an angels by nature. And the more power we put in one person's hands, the more danger there is to the liberty of everyone else. That's the first thing. The second thing that I'm concerned about is the resistance to accountability. And that resistance to accountability includes resisting mm -hmm. uh, lawful subpoenas. It also is resisting any kind of scrutiny. Uh, the idea that the executive can't be um, examined and that somehow examining the executive is uh, is unlawful or uh or uh, suspect. Or claims we of immunity would... go right along with that, right? Absolutely. That the executive is somehow immune from various investigations, enforcement, or what have you. Right. And, and the, of course, you know, uh, the argument is we'll go to court. The problem with going to court is it's going to take you forever. <laughs> the issue is decided, uh, you know, uh, time will have passed for the issue. So, uh, yes, going to court is important uh, to get the uh, parameters uh, decided, but on the converse side of it, we need to hold our leaders accountable. Uh, they are not immune. Once they start claiming immunity, that is when you start having a executive, whether it's a king, a president, or any other kind of leader, czar, whatever you want to call them, uh, who transcends the law and therefore undermines it, and that is when you have a crisis of liberty and a crisis of uh, uh, a very fundamental crisis of freedom across the board. We've seen it a hundred times. We've seen this movie. It does not end well. We do not want that here. Well, and it's a crisis of legitimacy also. That's right. Because if you have a president who is above the law, then he loses legitimacy in the eyes of many, many people. 
Yeah, and I, I think you're absolutely right, and but not necessarily right. <laughs> I, I, I was recently, uh, a friend of mine pointed this out to me, actually, in the 1950s, uh, there was some very good polling of uh, the German population, and I know that people get tired of Nazi analogies, but I, this one is so right, where they did a poll across the German population, and uh, still about a quarter of the population thought that uh, that Hitler was on the right track. <laughs> Well, when Nixon resigned, he still had, you know, a quarter of the country who totally supported him. Right. So you, so my point being uh, that maybe people see, but, but you can't have autocrats who are very popular. Right. You know, whether it's Napoleon when he was on his, his, uh, you know, in his heyday or, or um, Mussolini in his heyday or, or some of these other folks, uh, you know, um, uh, Robert Mugabe was popular for a period and, and so forth. Uh, it can be popular, but at the same time, corrosive. I, I think another thing that, that we have to be careful of is that we should look for public officials all the way down the line, from top to bottom, who are loyal to the principles of the country, loyal to the ideals of the country, and not loyal to individuals. Right. Right. When I became an attorney, I signed took an oath of fidelity to the Constitution, right? not to the president. Now, the president, whoever's in the president at any given time, if they were elected a law, you know, uh, legally, they're part of the constitutional system. Right. James, we could keep this discussion <laughs> going a long time, but we are out of time. We've been talking about the rule of law with attorney James Standish. And uh, yeah, wish we'll, we'll have to do this again, James. Just one final point. As we look at the threats to liberty, my suggestion to you, Alan, is the most important threat that we face today is a threat to the rule of law. Right. Um, as we close, friends, remember here at Freedom's Ring, we don't just talk about religious freedom. We help workers suffering religious discrimination. Check out our legal resources page at churchstate.org. That's churchstate, all one word, churchstate.org. This has been Freedom's Ring. I'm your host, Alan Reinach. Until next week, let freedom ring.